Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Um, good to be back. Um, loved, uh, I think it's Kincaid, that's your name. I loved your prayer. Um, you start, you know, praying about the blessings of God, and he goes right to wine. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, skip by eternal life, heaven dying for us, and went right, right to wine. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is my kind of church, so um, that's, uh, that's great. <laughs> no, no wasting time on the good stuff. Uh, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's good to be back, and I'm happy to, to be here this morning on a, on a bright, hot sunny Edmonton day, the first one in seven weeks. So uh, let me read to you Mark 5. I'm going to start at verse 21, and I'm going to go right through to the end of the chapter. Uh, Once again, Jesus got into the boat and crossed Lake Galilee. Then as he stood on the shore, a large crowd gathered around him. The person in charge of the Jewish meeting was also there. His name was Jairus. And when he saw Jesus, he went over to him. He knelt at Jesus' feet and started begging him for help. He said, my daughter is about to die. Please come and touch her so she may get well and live. Jesus went with Jairus. Many people followed along and kept crowding around him. In the crowd was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had gone to many doctors and they had not been able to do anything except cause a lot of pain. She had paid them all the money she had, but instead of getting better, she seemed to only get worse. The woman had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him in the crowd and barely touched his clothes. And she said to herself, if I can just touch his clothes, I will get well. As soon as she touched them, her bleeding stopped, and she knew that she was well. At that moment, Jesus felt power go out from him. He turned to the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, look at all these people crowding around you. How can you ask who touched you? But Jesus turned to see who had touched him. The woman knew what had happened to her. She came shaking with fear and knelt down in front of Jesus. Then she told him the whole story. Jesus said to the woman, you are now well because of your faith. May God give you peace. You are healed and you will no longer be in pain. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from Jairus' home and said, your daughter has died. Why bother this teacher anymore? Jesus heard what they had said and he said to Jairus, don't worry, just have faith. Jesus did not let anyone go with him except Peter and the two brothers, James and John. Then they went home with Jairus and saw the people crying and making a lot of noise. Jesus went inside and said to them, why are you crying and carrying on like this? The child isn't dead. She is just asleep. But the people laughed at him. After Jesus had sent them all out of the house, he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples, and he went to where she was. He took the 12-year-old girl by the hand and said, Talitha Kamum, which means little girl, get up. The girl got straight up and started walking around. Everyone was incredibly surprised, but Jesus ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Then he simply said, get her something to eat. This is my favorite Bible story, give or take the whole resurrection thing, which is also pretty cool. Um, And this morning, I'm going to ask you to allow me to be slightly self-indulgent and relate this story of not only what Jesus did, but also at times to the seven hardest months of my life, 
which occurred um, starting in September 2018 and ended in April just a few months ago. So sorry in advance for the narcissism. Um, today I want to talk about the power of with and how with is so much more powerful than for. Of being with someone, not just doing something for someone. And when we decide to walk along with someone, how our lives are changed. In Mark 5, we read of Jesus being extraordinary. Now, Jesus is always extraordinary. But the context of everything that he does in a seemingly very short period of time is absolutely incredible. There's a crowd. The crowd is there simply because of Jesus. One guy pulls his attention away from the crowd, and Jesus is on his way to heal this man's daughter. He ends up healing a woman along the way. The girl who he is intent going to heal in the first place ends up dying, and Jesus raises her up from the dead. All in an afternoon's work, apparently. There's a couple things that I think we can learn from this story. The first is that there is with and there is power of with in community. In verse 21, a very large crowd had gathered around Jesus. This is very familiar to Jesus. He had large crowds around him all the time. He often had to navigate this and often would withdraw. There's a part of Jesus that actually embraced or seemingly embraced the crowd. And I would argue that we too at times need to embrace the crowd. Now for you introverts out there, that's a horrible, horrible thought. But we all need to be part of a crowd at times. We all need to be part of something that is doing something bigger than ourselves. That is part of with. It is part of understanding with. Down at the Mustard Seed, we um, serve meals, well, seven days a week. But at the, at the old church on 96th Street, we serve meals there five days a week. And there's a gentleman named Edward that goes there all the time. Edward has been with us for many, many years. He's well-liked and well-respected in the community. Um, not everyone who comes to us, obviously, is a Christian. Edward is. And Edward is extremely demonstrative about his faith. Uh, within three minutes of having a conversation with Edward, um, whether it's your first meeting or you've met him many, many times, um, he is going to talk to you about Jesus. And obviously, there's a group of people that don't always want to hear that. They just want to come there for food. Um, they're hungry and they just want to be fed or they're cold and they want to come indoors. Well, on this particular day um, that Edward was there, there were pudding cups um, served for dessert. Now, you may think that that's not a big deal, but I'm telling you pudding cups are gold. Um, the reason why is you can take them with you. So that isn't just dessert at the end of the meal. That's potentially breakfast the next day or lunch the next day. Or a snack. Um, they are well, well received whenever someone cranks out pudding cups for dessert. And our community loves them. And they even have trading value on the street to some degree. Want a couple smokes? A pudding cup will get you a couple of smokes. And so um, when we serve these, they're well wanted. They are taken. They are kind of uh, squirreled away, um, this day was a little different because it was Edward's birthday. And so Edward sits down, and as he's sitting there having his meal, one of our community participants walks up and puts a pudding cup in front of him and says, happy birthday. Then another guy does the same thing. 
Then a woman followed. Soon, everyone sitting there stood up and went by Edward and handed Edward a pudding cup and wished him a happy birthday to honor him. It was an incredible moving moment of what happens in community when we walk with someone. The ironic thing about all of this is Edward is diabetic and he can have none of the pudding cups. <laughs> but it shows, it shows what happens when we're in community. When we walk with people in community, even the things that we are divided on, somehow we can come together on because we learn to respect and love one another for who they are, for where they're at. We need to be in large communities, whether it's a cause that we're a part of, whether it's um, to receive the caring that we sometimes need to receive. If this is your church community, are you with it? Are you merely here because of what it does for you? I believe that a church's health and growth is directly related to the degree of which its members and its congregation decide to be with the church, not just receive from the church. And there is many, many fantastic things happening in this church, which says to me that there is a number of people that are with it, not just here to receive from it. But I'd encourage you to consider if you are someone that's just sitting here receiving, maybe it's time for you to lean in and begin walking with the church. Because that's when lives are changed. That's when churches continue to grow. That's when people come to Christ. We also need to walk with someone. Jarius is a synagogue leader. Um, he's not a priest, but he's a lay leader. In our context, Jarius is an elder. And he requests that Jesus lays hands on his daughter, which is no small thing. Um, laying hands um, for the Jewish community was uh, associated with divine power. And we read that in the New Testament, how that carries over when Paul says, you know, bring someone who needs healing and the elders should lay hands on him. It's associated with divine power. Now, Jesus doesn't need to show up to heal her. In Luke 7, uh, Jesus heals the centurion's son without showing up. But yet, here we read that Jesus chooses, despite the large crowd kind of getting in his way and impeding him, to walk with Jairus. When it is all possible, I would encourage you to walk with someone rather than walk alone. And it seems like a kind of a weird thing to say, but I think there is such incredible power when we go with someone or take someone with us. Uh, if you got kids and you're going off to do something, do you say to your kids, you want to come with me? And it can be the most mundane thing like going to Home Depot, which, you know, it's exciting for me, but not necessarily for my teenage daughter. Um, but yet there's something that happens when she's with me. I go for uh, nightly, uh, mostly nightly walks. Last five weeks, a little lame. Um, but, you know, when, when it's not a tsunami outside, I go for nightly walks. Um, my one daughter comes with me. Um, often I'll say, you know what, like to my staff, um, we can have a meeting in my office or we can walk together to Starbucks. There's something weird that happens on a walk. There's something weird that happens when you do something with someone that you could have done alone. I saw the power of this when I was a kid. Um, my brother and I followed my grandfather all over his farm. I'm very, very confident 
when we'd spend our summers there, um, that he would have preferred to be alone at some times. Um, his uh, unique German um, language uh, suggested that at times in maybe harsher ways. Uh, but, you know, the incredible impact he had on my life because I was just with him. He didn't talk a lot, but yet he influenced me a great deal. If you're a grandparent, are your grandkids just with you sometimes? Are you entering into life in a with way with your grandkids? And flip it around. If you're a kid or a grandkid, are you just kind of hanging around with mom and dad or grandma and grandpa? Not to get anything out of them, but just to be with them. I experienced the power of someone walking with me as an adult. Uh, in November, I um, nearly died. Um, I don't say that flippantly. I literally nearly died. And so it's a long story of uh, pneumonia. And I um, recall, um, I mean, it was, it was just bad. And so I'm, I'm laying in um, my hospital bed. I knew it was bad when the nurse said to me, when I'm in the hot, like in emergency, and I'm in that little, the safe room where they, you know, have to mask up to go in to see you. There was a bunch of people all over top of me doing things, and they all left. And then the head nurse says to me, um, is there anyone I can call? And I said, why am I that bad? She said, I just need to know there's someone I can phone. I'm like, okay, so apparently this isn't good. Um, and so a uh, couple, uh, the next day, um, they, um, they find the clump in my lung or whatever, and they got to stick a tube in there to suck it out. I don't know if you're familiar with this. Uh, don't ever have this done. I mean, it was needed. I'd be dead if it wasn't for this. But um, So they stick this tube in there. And I'm still in emergency. They, they don't have a bed for me yet. And so I go back to the emergency room. And um, this, isn't, this isn't a criticism of anyone. It may, it may appear that way. I don't, I don't mean it that way. It's just sometimes things happen. And so I, I got this tube. And, and pneumonia was such that I couldn't, any kind of movement really, really hurt. And so I'm sitting on the edge of my, my bed, and the nurse comes in after they had started sucking things out. And whatever reason, them sucking the stuff out of the lungs really, really hurt. And so the lady says, uh, the nurse says, can I get you anything? I said, yeah. I said, whatever drugs you have, I'll take. And she said, on a scale of 1 to 10, how's your pain? It's a 12. Like, like I just, I really, she's like, okay, I'll get you some morphine. Great. 20 minutes later, my wife walks in, and she says, uh, how are you? And I said, and I, I can't move, because it just hurts to move. And I said, uh, I need some drugs bad. And she said, uh, have you asked her some? I said, yeah, um, but she didn't come. A couple minutes, and so Sasha then, you know, gets off the cloak and the gloves and the mask and everything else that she's got on, and um, she goes and gets the nurse and says, he needs some meds. Yeah comes back in 20 minutes later new nurse um, we've had a shift change do you need any meds really need some meds yeah um, on a scale of 1 to 10 how's your pain well it was a 12 we're now at a 35 um, okay comes back 20 minutes later um, shoot some morphine into my shoulder at this point I said to Sasha can you just um, lay me down on my side and I said, I just need to lay on my left side. I couldn't lay on my right at all. I just need to get down on my left side. She's like, sure. So as she lays me over, and I start to kind of lay over, um, 
there was three emotions that overpowered me. The one was that my mom had died two months prior. And I don't care how old you are, when you're going through dark times, you really miss your mom. Um, the second thing is that for the first time, I was scared I was going to die. And the third thing was, I was just in immense pain. So at this moment, as I'm laying on my side, um, and I'm weeping, um, my wife starts to pray. And the only reason why I know she was praying is because I heard the first word, which was Jesus, and I didn't hear anything else she said. But for 20 minutes, um, praise Jesus, my wife was with me. And sometimes we just need someone to walk with us in our darkest moments. Um, who's walking with you? And who are you walking beside? Jesus is walking to heal Jairus' daughter, and a woman touches his cloak. Jesus feels power leave him as the woman is healed. This woman was incurable for 12 years, and her condition made it so that she had to live outside of community. Um, she's healed by Jesus, but then he does something ordinary. The act of her physical healing was extraordinary. That was doing something for her. Um, but the act of calling her daughter was ordinary, but it was doing something with her. He saw her. He named her. Um, in calling her daughter, he said, I am your family. He did more than something for her. He gave her a community and a place of belonging just by naming her daughter. We love to do things for people. Um, we see it at the mustard seed all the time. It's easy. Um, you get in, you get out. Um, we feel great about ourselves. And while it can be helpful, and at times it's even necessary to do something for someone, it's never transformational. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're hungry, you just need a meal. If you have no underwear, you just need underwear. That's doing something for someone. But what's transformational is when we walk with someone. And whether that's walking with them spiritually, emotionally, and at times even physically walking with someone to help them get to a place where they're no longer homeless or they're no longer living in poverty. For those outside of Christianity, I think it's good to ask, do they see the church as a group of people or an organization that walks with people? I'm not talking about those of us inside. I'm talking to the people that have never donned the doors of a church. Do they look at the church and go, that's an organization, that's a group of people that walk with others? Are we walking with the marginalized? Are we walking with the poor? Are we walking with the homeless? Politically speaking, and I truly mean the words politically speaking, are we with refugees? Do we do these things? as a church? And does the rest of the world see us doing them? Jean Vanier says, we are not called by God to do um, extraordinary things, but to do ordinary things with, with extraordinary love. Jesus is an interesting guy in that he always has three guys that he brings with him wherever he goes. Um, Peter, James, and John. When he could go alone, he chooses to go with 
in part to have some witnesses, in part to teach and to train. These are his people. And for those of you that have sinned and watched Game of Thrones, uh, these are his bannermen. Um, you know, these are the people that are with him. Who are your closest with? After my mom was diagnosed with her brain tumor, a relationship that I'd always admired moved to something beyond what I had ever seen prior. I saw what it means to love and to care for your spouse in sickness and in health in an incredible, tangible way. And I saw my dad do this with kindness, with gentleness, with patience, and with perseverance. I never questioned it before, but as my mom moved from this life to the next, it was quite clear to me um, that my mom and dad were each other's closest with. This was exemplified by a small act, but a significant act that my dad did at my mom's funeral. I, um, my dad had uh, developed a gluten allergy um, about a year and a bit before my mom's diagnosis. So he started to lose weight because he started to eat bread uh, or stop eating bread, which apparently is a good thing for you know, him and probably would be for me, but I like bread. And so and I'm not allergic to it. And so he, he stopped, you know, he had a gluten allergy. And so his diet changed a lot. And then there was a stress of caring for my mom. And he cared for her right up until the end. Um, she only spent the last four days of her life in a facility. And um, so he just, he, he had lost a ton of weight between the stress and between his eating habits changing. And so I said to him, Dad, you haven't had time to buy a suit. Um, what are you going to do um, for mom's funeral? Because nothing you have in your closet is going to fit you. And he said, well, it's funny you should ask me that. And he said, I've, uh, I've decided what I'm going to do. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, he said, I still have the suit I married your mom in. He said, I tried it on the other day and it fits again. He said, if it was good enough to marry her in, it's good enough to bury her in. And he wore the suit that day. Who's your closest with? Who walks with you in sickness and in health, in life and in death? And how are you caring for that person that you have chosen to do that with? Who is your closest with? Jesus is with us in death. Jesus heals a girl and proves it by having her eat. Um, anyone know the reason why he says eat? It's kind of weird, right? Um, because there was a, a, you know, a belief back then that if you're a ghost, the way we, they knew you were a ghost is that you didn't eat anything. So the reason why it's in the scripture, the reason why he says that is because he's, he's saying like, no, this is a physical resurrection, not a, not a spiritual resurrection. She is, she is fully well. And so he says, eat something as proof that she is, that she is fully well. Um, so he says, eat. Jesus is with us in life and in death. We get to the uh, place where we do the, kind of have the family thing before you walk into the sanctuary um, at the funeral. You know, you know, everybody, if you've experienced funeral, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I've had a, I've, I've been to a lot of funerals, but usually as a pastor and not as the person. And so we're all kind of hanging around there and there's like third cousins and fifth cousins and great aunts and uncles. It's uh, kind of weird. My mom would have loved it. I thought it was a little strange. Um, that's okay. And um, everyone's hanging around. 
my dad, uh, we're getting ready to go in. And the pastor says, um, Elvin, what's my dad's name, you had something you wanted to say to everybody before we walk in. And my dad says, yes. Now, I've done lots of funerals and memorial services, and I've never heard anyone say this before. And he says, I, I, like, he says you know, um, I don't want you to walk in with your heads down. He said, uh, Gladys lived a good life. She was a Christian. She's in heaven with Jesus now. As Christians, we don't walk into funerals with our heads down. We walk in with our heads up. Because we have victory in death. He says, we're proud today. Be proud. And as I walk to walk in with my dad, he grabs my hand. And he grabs my brother's hand on the other side. And he says, remember, head up. We're proud. Jesus is with us in life and in death. And the ultimate with is in death. While Jesus died for us, he rose so that he could be with us in life and in death. Jesus was with my mom here on earth, and now she is with him there in heaven. And Jesus' hope for you today, and my hope for you today, is that Jesus is with you. And it's easy to get caught up in all the things that Jesus has done for us. And we constantly pray that Jesus will do things for us. But ultimately, the best thing is knowing that Jesus is with us. That he's with you. That he's with me. And that he wants to be with everyone. And that is why we do what we do as a church. It isn't just to come and worship and to receive it is because we believe that life with Jesus is better. And the whole world needs to know that. Do you know the power of with in your life? Of Christ being with you? Of choosing to live with others? In choosing not to do just something for the marginalized and the hurting. But in choosing to be with them in their life. If you don't know the extraordinary power of with, I encourage you to find out what that means. First with Christ, then with someone close to you, then in community, and then walking with someone who's on the outside of life, looking in. Let's pray. Um, dear God, thank you for all that you have done for us. We are incredibly grateful for that. And we recognize it. And we know how important it is. You died for us. Um, first and foremost, because of how you loved us. Um, but there's more than that that you offer. You said that you will be with us in life and in death. You said that you will be with us as we go about each of our days and you will walk in extraordinary ways alongside of us. And so I pray, first of all, that we would embrace that as individuals and as a church community. That we wouldn't just come seeking things from you, but that we would just enjoy the presence of being with you. 
And then I pray that you would give us the courage to walk alongside others in significant ways. May we look at people not just for what they can do for us or what we can do for them, but instead may we recognize the individuals in our lives that we need to walk with. May we walk with them well, and may we honor you in doing so. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.